We had a beautiful day today in the Lord, really. Very thankful for it. We did worship this morning. We talked about that, and that was, uh, it, it, we just had a beautiful time. And I have a, a seed thought, and, and I'm going to introduce a thought to you, provoke you in your thinking. You'll talk with your neighbor for a minute, uh, and then, like, just I pray that the Holy Spirit would use this to help us understand uh, what it is that we are part of in the Lord, what love is, and also a little bit about what love is not. All right, so uh, here comes the text. It's Genesis 15 in verse... Uh, where do we have it starting? Verse 7. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought you out of the earth of Chaldees to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? How will I know? Another, another way of saying, how do I know you love me? How do I know you called me? How do I know that you'll be faithful to me all my life, that you'll actually get done what you are saying? Uh, now, at this time, he doesn't have a son, and he doesn't have land. He doesn't have the land, and he doesn't have a son. And so, but God is saying, I make you, back in chapter 12, I make you uh, the father of, um, uh, from, from your father's house in the land, I will show you, I'll make you a great nation, Make your name great, verse 2, Genesis 12, 2. I'll make you a great nation, so these are, this is a people, right? And then I will make your name, your name, what's his name? Abraham. Abram, and then at plural, the plural is Abraham. Many Abrams, because I'm going to make your, your family great. I will make your name great. So you can have here family that becomes a nation. And there's zero members, really, only Abraham and Sarah, too. And then your name will be great. Okay, so how do I know this? How do I know? It's a very good, good question. Uh, how do I know you love me? We can say it as people. How do you know? How do I know that you love me? Okay. How do I? How do I know that what you're saying will really happen? So, chapter fifteen, he said, uh, "Lord God, verse eight, shall, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it?" He said, "Take a heifer, three years old." A she-goat of three years old, a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these and divided them in the midst, laid each piece one against another, but the birds divided he not. So he split them in half. I'm a butcher's son. I'm used to, like, seeing animals split in half, uh, come into the shop, and we would cut them up. Uh, you know, uh, my dad and myself and my brother 
And that's, uh, so now we got Abra, Abram uh, and the split halves. And I always think of a wedding with one, one group on one side, one group on the other, and they both walk down the middle and they make promises. Uh, this is also how they made contract in the, in the Middle East and the ancient world. There, there would be a sacrifice, uh, animals that were, uh, split in half, uh, the, the people agreeing, walking between the, in the row, that is between them. Verse 11. When the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. When the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. You have three things there that we could just make note of that, that are written. There, there was the birds, the fowls, the uh, vultures, uh, uh, birds of prey, crows, maybe ravens. Yes, I said the raven's name, Pastor Steve, is over here gloating. Okay, so the the birds came. The second thing, the darkness, uh, darkness, the sun went down. Number two, the deep sleep that fell on Abram. And uh, then the, the next one is horror, horror that came on Abram. Must might have had a nightmare. When in his sleep, and dark, great darkness fell upon him. So we have an, another phrase here, great darkness that fell on him. Now I want to get to how I, we could use this to illustrate a principle in a minute. When the sun was going down a deep sleep, verse 13, he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that your seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them. They shall afflict them 400 years. All right, so your seed will go into a strange land. Where was that? Where did Abraham's seed go that was a foreign country? Egypt. How long were they in Egypt? 400 years. This is a prophecy. God said to Abram, you're, you will go down, your family will be 70 people, they will go down into Egypt, they'll be there 400 years, and they will come out, about 3 million people will come out of Egypt, and you are a great man, and I promise that to you. I promise that will happen. This is what will happen way in the future. How do I know it will happen? Look at the next part. We'll skip down to... Verse 17, it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace, a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. And the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram. Remember this slide here up on the wall. Okay, remember that. And then remember this one. And the Lord made a covenant. With Abram, who did the Lord made a covenant and promised him. And what is the burning furnace that's going between the pieces? What is the burning furnace that's going between the burning fire? What is that? Abram, where is he? He's asleep. Darkness is on him. 
he's asleep. But who is that fire that's going between the pieces? And in the commentaries you can read, and in my heart, I believe it was Jesus Christ and the Father. That they were making an agreement with the Holy Spirit present, the three of them, they agreed this will happen. Where's Abram? He's sleeping. What's happening to him? He's, in, he's having a nightmare at the moment. What's happening to the pieces of the carcasses there being attacked by birds? What's happening in between? God is making a promise to himself that this will happen. This guy is asleep. That's not going to stop us from making a covenant between each other that what we say is going to happen. What we say is going to happen. It's guaranteed. Can we trust God? Okay. Principle. Follow it with me now. Wait, take a minute, turn to your neighbor, explain it to your neighbor, what I just said, the best you can. I know that you, maybe you can't, but do the best you can. Go ahead. Tell your neighbor what I just said. All right. There's one more principle that I think you need to, you know, we need to touch on before we go to our, and it is uh, false fire. Isaiah 50, turn there with me, false fire. This is, so we have, our God is a consuming fire, Hebrews 12, 29. What, what did John the Baptist say? God, Christ will, I baptize you with water, but another coming will baptize you with fire. Holy Spirit fire at Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. Fire, fire, God is fire. The burning bush was on fire, but was not consumed. It's another kind of fire. It's a spiritual fire. He makes his angel spirits and his ministers... The flame of fire. Man, wouldn't it be fun to see the Apostle Paul preaching? Man, wouldn't it be great to see John Wesley preaching, George Whitfield preaching? Isn't it amazing to see uh, servants of God on fire? The women of God, Amy Carmichael, Mary Slesser, so many godly women, the women in our ministry, the women's seminar coming up soon. What a beautiful thing that is. Now, what do they call liquor but spirits, don't they? I think they got that right, maybe. Something weird about it. There's spirits, spirits. You make yourself, you make yourself vulnerable to demon spirits. Also, there are emotions, like falling in love. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's an emotion like falling in love. But be careful who your neighbor is when you say that. Okay, all right. Falling in love. Okay, now watch. Isaiah 50, verse 11. Behold you, all you that kindle a fire. So we have uh, another kind of fire here that can be kindled by people. People that can kindle, that start a fire. Kindle a fire. Can you inflame yourself? Do you have an appetite that you could just 
feed it. Feed that appetite and you're inflamed. Could it happen? That's what this is saying. Verse 11. Behold, all you that kindle a fire, that compass, compass yourselves about with sparks. What are sparks? A spark is a little burning ember. It could be a metal, piece of metal on fire, like a little, uh, probably that's what it is, a metal or a phosphorant, uh, some small thing coated, you know, the sparklers, that's maybe a good example of sparks, the sparklers at uh, July 4th. And there are people that walk in the light of their own fire, verse 11. Walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks that you have kindled. This shall you have of my hand. You shall lie down in sorrow. So this is a false fire. And you can't, it's not really good quality. And you lie down. How does it spell that? Lie down in sorrow. Like the uh, man who drinks wine. Wine and drink, you get drunk, lies down in sorrow. It's like a man who has some affair of some kind that divides his family, it ruins relationships, he lies down in sorrow. We are warned about it in Proverbs 5 and 6 and 7. There is a thing called love that is like fire. But the fire that, that, that human beings have, that kind of comes and goes, is what many people unfortunately build their relationships on that kind of fire. And so this is a comment. I'm not thinking of anything special except the scripture and the principle and something I read about mere, from mere Christianity today from C.S. Lewis when he talks about this principle of falling in love. So here comes the exercise with your neighbor. Let's say falling in love, so you, you fall in love. Has it ever happened to you? Turn to your neighbor to have a long talk about it. Go ahead. What is it? So Pastor Phil fell in love with my sister. And married her. You married her. How long does it last when you fall in love? Oh, all your life. Really? Really? Maybe in some way, but very, uh, no, I I don't, I know. It changes. Not long enough is the answer in the front row. It does change, but it's still love. It's love. But here's a huge problem in our society, that people believe that when you fall in love, that's what it is. That's what you build a marriage on. That's what you build a friendship on. That's what you build your relationship on. It's more, it's like the fact that I fell in love is really... It's not a bad thing. It's a normal thing. It happens to people. It happened to me. I loved my wife so much when I married her. And we've been 47 years. Known each other 51, I think. 
And wow, that's like, whoa, how old are you? Okay, so, uh, but I want to say something about marriage. Because the world, got, they got it wrong. They think that this is falling in love is like what a marriage is. It may start that way, but when you read in the storybooks and they lived happily ever after, it doesn't mean, and they fell in love and stayed in love their whole life and forever. Why do I say it? Because the very foundation of life has to be this one. When I fall asleep, when darkness falls upon me, when, uh, when I have a nightmare, when there's a horror that happens in my mind or in my heart, I need a covenant. I need something bigger than my feelings. I need something greater than the darkness and greater than the emptiness and greater than the horror and greater than the, the dark world that we live in and something greater than the darkness in my own heart. I need that burning that is happening when I'm asleep. The covenant. And the Lord is saying, I'm going to do this, Abram. And you don't have to worry about it because you're, you're sleeping over there and you're, you're, you're having your struggles. But I am here and I make a covenant with you. That's a model for us. Marriage is covenant. Marriage is not just falling in love, but marriage is when you are in love and you make a decision and you might be, have some troubled times, but you make a decision and the decision is, that we are going to make an agreement, and that is uh, bigger than us. God is with us. That's bigger than us. Now, I know that divorce is a common thing in our society, and I know that many of you have gone through that, and I'm not saying it targeting anybody, and I want you to grow and learn and grow in grace and have a lot of grace for yourself and be built up in what we are saying but what, and what we are believing. But this is a, a great lesson for all, for all of us. And that is, there's got to be something more than just falling in love. Because when I fall out of love, when it goes, you know, in a bad direction, there's a covenant. And that covenant is going to help me. And my wife or my husband is going to help us to stay together. And it might be tough. But let, if, if this is what a covenant is, if this is something that the Lord is teaching and saying, yeah, Abram, yeah, I, I, I promise you this is how it is. And I want this to be a, a, a set. This is a model for your life because you are like me. And I, I need you to be uh, learning the grace and knowing who I am. And I want you to walk with me. And even in our world of imperfection, I want you to know that I am the God that makes an everlasting covenant in Jeremiah 31, verse 3. And um, I am the one that I want you to trust in. 
And I'm the one that's going to make it happen. And I'm the one that's going to lead you and guide you. Because we are just uh, frail people. And, um, and we make up our own fire. This one here. We kindle a fire of our own making. Our own making. Give it time. See if it burns out. When you fall in love, back off. Wait a while. See how it works. Take time. You might be kindling a fire and amplifying something that really isn't from God. It might be, but it may not be. And then get ready for when the whole thing goes goes like without any fire. There's no fire. No twinkle in the eye. No encouraging words, no love, no feelings. And that's when people say, I'm out of here. I fell out of love, and I know I need to go find it again. I'll find it over there. I'll find it over there. I'll go looking for love. But that's not love. That's the way people live. But it's not love. It's, it, I'm not saying it's not love. It's human love. We're prone to it. We're prone to these emotions. We're prone to uh, this uh, sparks and the fire. And uh, we're alive people. But it's not enough to hold it together. There needs to be something bigger than us. And when we make a covenant before God, we're making a vow between each other. And we're just saying, this has got to be how we look at each other and look at our marriage. And when the, when the tough times come, I want to believe that God will help me. God will fill me. God will teach me how to love when others don't. Now, one, one other thing about it is that these relationships without covenant, relationships without covenant, let's put down a couple of them, family, no covenant, church, no covenant, Friendship, no covenant. You know where people make contracts? Work. You work for me, we pay you so much money, you have this commitment, you're responsible, or you're fired. That's, that's, that's how it works. Why do they have it at a working place, but we don't have it in our relationships? Why do they have it at a working place? Because they, they don't trust our feelings. I don't want to come into work today. I don't feel good. I don't want to do it anymore. But where's my paycheck? No paycheck. You're fired. You're done. You're finished. Okay. What about my family? What about a family meeting? What about us talking about, hey, when things are bad, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be part of the solution, not a part of the problem. Hey, how about this? I want to discover God in my personal life and then bring it into my relationships and have a world, have a life of commitment, a life of a dedication. How about being a disciple? A disciple that says, Jesus, you treat me good, and I'm your disciple. You treat me bad, and I'm out of here. The Lord goes, okay, that's your game. It's not mine. Mine is 100% unconditional commitment to me by faith, and I promise you nothing except the cross.
Wow. Then we find God. Okay? So have a talk with each other if you want to. I didn't really put it the way I wanted it to do it. I wanted you to talk about it, but I did a lot of talking because I had to explain what I meant. When I explained what I meant, I told you everything. <laughs> so what are you going to say about it? Go ahead. <laughs> okay. You, okay, so okay, look at Hebrews 6 with me. Hebrews 6 refers to that Genesis 15 passage and uh, the end of Hebrews 6. Yeah, this one. I can't read it. Okay. Hebrews 6, verse 16. For men fairly swear by the greater, and the oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. English and plain English, the Lord wanted to make an agreement, and he wanted to make a guarantee, and that that promise would be based on his immutability, that he doesn't change. And he would swear by an oath, Abram, you will be the father of a great nation. You will have a son that came later, Genesis, you know, we what, 18, 18. You will have a son, and your family will get the land 400 years later. They will come out of Egypt, go up, and they will take the land 40 years after they came out. So this is like guaranteed. Now here's an interesting point about our message tonight that's coming in bits and pieces. We could say sparks and then versus the burning furnace. Burning furnace. I don't know which translation has a better word for that. Anybody have it? Amplified burning furnace. Anybody? You guys are just so precious. Quiet, obedient, burning furnace. No? Huh? No? No? Do we have uh, somebody running the slide? Can you do the English Standard Version of Genesis 15? Yeah, good. Is it 17? Genesis 15. Uh, okay, is it up there? Okay. Flaming torch passed between these pieces. Okay, good enough. All right. What if I shift from falling in love? I mean, that's good. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing necessarily. That's like natural thing. You're attracted to the per, a person. That's that's. But I move from the sparks to the flaming torch. And what is a flaming torch? This is the Holy Spirit. I explained it as the Trinity walking between the pieces. Well, isn't this our new life? And isn't this the source of our covenant that we have when we get married? We say, 
I love you, Lisa. I, I take you to be my wife. Look at how I'm saying it with such confidence and like I've done it before. And, and I'm really practiced at it. I love you. I am committed to you. I do that. And I have in my mind, not sparks, but I have in my mind a flaming for- torch. That's God. How can you do it? Well, doesn't God, isn't God able? Can he help me? Can he teach me? Can I say to Lisa that if we get in trouble, I want to be there? I want to help you. I want to be like what Jesus said in Ephesians 5. Isn't that correct? So uh, go back to Hebrews 6, verse uh, 17. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, by that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation. Now, I've always wondered, what are those two immutable things? And you can read about it and study it in different commentaries and so on. But I like to think the two immutable things that he promised was a son and land. And it was impossible for God to lie. And Abraham got the land, his family, and he got the son. And his grandson got 12 sons. And you know the story. what, What does this mean for us? Look at the next part. It says, that by this we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. What's the hope we have? Both sure and steadfast, an anchor to our soul, which enters into that within the veil. What entered in within the veil? What went in within the veil? What happened? Who went in beyond the veil? Not the veil in Jerusalem. It was torn open. And Jesus never went into that temple. But he went into heaven itself on our behalf. And that immutable counsel that we see in Abraham is now like transferred to our understanding that there's a guarantee for our Messiah has entered into heaven on our behalf. And we are now living with an anchor to our soul that we are sure about this. Are you going to go to heaven? I am sure about it. I'm not feeling too good. A darkness has come upon me. I got a nightmare going on. I fell asleep. I didn't read my Bible. I forgot to say my prayers. I haven't been to church in a long time. I feel like unbelief and fear, and I'm very troubled. I have an anchor to my soul. It's not about you and I in in that way. It's about what Jesus did. Look at verse uh, 20. Whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Our high priest has entered in the veil. Therefore, we are guaranteed We are guaranteed he's the author of eternal salvation. We are guaranteed that we are righteous. We are guaranteed that we are going to heaven. We are guaranteed. What's the key word that I want to make a big deal about tonight? It is this word, 
covenant. It's like that's what that's what and I'm, I say marriage is a good example. And we've left the covenant and we've embraced our feelings and we live in the sparks of our own energy and we lie down in sorrow and another sorrow and another sorrow and another sorrow. And the Lord has modeled for us something else. And that is a covenant. Make a covenant. Make a covenant. And in your heart, have that in your mind, because I'm going to change. We're going to change. But I, we got a burning furnace or a burning flaming torch that we relate to so that God will help us in life and that we can make agreements with, with God and we can walk with God and trust God and God will lead us and guide us and we'll have another kind of light, another kind of power, the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. And listen, sometimes, you know, I don't want to do it, but then I've got, a, I've got something in my heart that I'm committed to it. I made a vow. I made a commitment. I do it and watch the Holy Spirit just guides us. He does. Holy Spirit lifts us up. Holy Spirit teaches us. I want to quit. I remember when we first moved to Finland, I, I wanted to come back home. And then I thought, I, I don't trust myself. If I go back to America, I know that after a while in America, I'm going to say, I wish I hadn't gone left Finland, and I want to go back to Finland. And then I'll be in Finland, and I want to go back home, and then I go back home, and then I want to go back to Finland. And I'm sure once, once or twice of that, it'd be over. They said, that guy's got a problem. He doesn't know what he's doing. Well, I could have told you that already. I don't know what I'm doing. But if I can get a covenant going on in my heart, if I could find out the way God is, the nature of God, he's not a quitter. God is not a quitter. God makes a commitment. God will suffer the pain. God will make a promise. God will endure. God will carry us. God will, by the way, I think Tuesday, um, Mark DeMoss is going to give a message on finishing well. So I'd recommend 6 o'clock Tuesday night if you can break away and come here 6 o'clock on Tuesday night. I think that would be a great message for the Bible College. Finishing well. Covenant. That's it. Covenant. Not how I feel. I don't feel like it. Well, who cares? Like walk with God. Walk by faith. Who cares? So you don't feel like it. You got hurt. Okay, whatever. You got hurt. Well, you get over it. You get healed. Well, you, what, what is this? This is so up and down and so unreliable. We know we wouldn't be sitting here tonight. It was built on people and their feelings. Like give them a good boot. Do not be governed by your feelings. Be governed by something higher. And they fell in love in the beginning of the story and they lived happily ever after. I can guarantee you. They were not, they had not, they were not like lovey dovey when they lived forever, happily ever after. They had a rock solid kind of love that was happening in their minds and hearts and it morphed from falling in love to learning to be real love that went into integrity of heart and commitment of soul and some suffering and difficulties, but they stayed together and they made it happen because that is the nature 
of God in his covenant with Abraham. I will do it, Abraham. And of course, you can say, well, he is God. Yes, he is. And that's why you need him. Amen. Okay, that's the message for tonight. All right. Amen.